Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. By the way, like, I, I love my little intro, like little, I don't know, I feel like seawalking every time I hear it. Happy Friday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work today. For the first segment, I'll be joined by Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons to start the show and talk about the Gators that are on the Falcons roster, how they've been this preseason, all that stuff, cute, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll address a thread from our Florida Gators, which is subreddit, by the way, for those of you that aren't in tune with the hip, young, whatever, um, about running no huddle versus Alabama. And we'll wrap up by talking about Jonathan India, former Florida Gator, and his NL Rookie of the Year race in the MLB. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts that you never miss an episode. And please do subscribe to Locked On Gators on YouTube. Like, we're going to have fun. We're going to be a blast. And I'm letting you know now in hopefully next week or the week after, we're going to have some um, some visuals that will help explain some of the things that I would like to explain there's only one place to get all the info you need on the SEC five days a week, and that's a Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Locked On Gators. Joining me right now is Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. How you doing, Aaron? Doing great. Happy to be on here to talk about some Florida Gators that happen to be playing a couple hours north in the city of Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean, you, you've got one of the best Gators of all time, really. Like, just looking at his college career, the impact he had, we're going to start off with him. Kyle Pitts, how's he been doing this training camp? I know he was one of, I believe, two rookies that actually got, like, was a healthy scratch during their first preseason game. But how's Pitts look during camp, his usage, all that fun stuff? Yeah, him not getting action this past Friday against Tennessee was much to my chagrin. I was really excited. We've been building towards this since the draft, getting to sort of see uh, the Falcons' top pick on the field. Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of him uh, this upcoming Saturday against Miami. But by all accounts, he's been killing it in camp. He's been every bit as good as the hype. And it's just, you know, basically we just want to get a chance uh, to see him on the field uh, under the lights in, in some of these preseason actions. But he's been killing it in terms of his run one on ones. You know, the buzz around camp has been how he has been moved all around the formation and the Falcons are kind of using him as a, uh, a versatile chess piece, uh, sort of a joker type of player. Uh, and he's expected to have a, a big impact on this offense, as you know, Brandon. Um, and it seems like everything, by all accounts, he's well on pace to sort of fulfill that destiny. I got to say, I'm so excited to see him play. I, I just can't wait because, like, I loved Kyle Trask. Like, seeing him with Matt Ryan, who's, like, just he's been a consistent producer. Just having Kyle Pitts and Matt Ryan, I'm just, I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Um, moving on, though, to a different Gator, someone who is one of my favorite Gators of all time. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr. He was 
this huge deal coming out of college. Like one of the reasons that I love him is because I remember watching a Gators game and him just like literally just like before the snap, just like dancing around, like jogging up a little bit, shaking, getting going. And then they snapped the ball and he was still like the first dude in the backfield. And I was like, I, I saw that play and I was like, I love him so much. Like it was before I was even into the draft, but I remember seeing that. And I mean, he hasn't really worked out so far in the NFL. Like he's been pretty hit or miss. Uh, but how has he looked so far this camp? I know he's had like stuff going on that we're not going to talk about. Uh, we're not that reporter that asked him, but um, <laughs> how has he looked in camp so far? Yeah, you know, his camp was got off to a little bit of a slow start due to him being on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, you know, fortunately, the Falcons are the first team in the NFL to be 100% vaccinated. So seemingly, he he basically took that as like, okay, let me get this done. Uh, if if that was the case, but it was a little bit of a slow start for Dante Fowler, which is a little disappointing because you know he got paid a lot of money by the Falcons last year to kind of fix their pass rush, and he had a little bit of a disappointing season in large part due to injuries. He dealt with COVID last year. Um, and, you know, the, the thing with Dante Fowler was his game is built upon his speed rush, which is very effective when he's healthy, but he was dealing with a lot of nagging lower leg injuries uh, that sort of slowed him down in that regard. And, and that was one of the big reasons why he disappointed last year. The hope is that he can have a rebound season, uh, be fully healthy, and obviously, you know, having to deal with missing basically the, the first week or so of camp with COVID did not necessarily get him off to a good start, but he's working his way back. And by all accounts, you know, with the Falcons running joint practices uh, today down in Miami with the Dolphins, uh, there were a lot of reports that he, he, he really stood out in practice, uh, taking advantage of, of maybe a questionable Dolphins offensive line in, in these joint practices. So the hope is that, you know, if we get to see him later this weekend against uh, Miami in the preseason game, he'll be able to showcase that, you know, he is the Dante Fowler that the Falcons believe that they were, you know, spending a lot of money to sign. And then of course, you know, if he can establish that this weekend, we can build upon that uh, as the regular six off. I'm glad you called their offensive line questionable. Cause like, I was going to say like, yeah, you can dominate the Dolphins offensive line, but like end of the day, it's still the Dolphins offensive line. But, uh, yeah, so what are the expectations really for Dante Fowler this year? Like, do you guys think he can be the Dante Fowler that we kind of expected him to be coming out? Or is he just hopefully an eight sack a year guy at this point? I think that's kind of what he is. Uh, he had that monster year in 2019 with the Rams where he had 11 and a half sacks. Um, but if you looked at his career in Jacksonville uh, and then last year in Atlanta, he kind of like when you when you sort of really dig deep, he's kind of like a six to eight sack guy. And so I think if you're the Falcons, you're kind of hoping that he can be towards the upper end of that with sort of an eight sack type of player. And, you know, that big year in, in L.A., you know, we call it the Aaron Donald effect when Aaron Donald is getting triple teams. You know, it makes your job a lot easier. We saw that with Leonard Floyd last year, who they signed to replace Dante Fowler. He had basically his best season, a quote unquote breakout year. So, you know, I think you kind of got to throw away that 2019 season when you look at Dante Fowler, which was what the Falcons were basing, you know, their contract when they gave him all that money off of. But I think if he can just bounce back and, and provide some pressure and, and get this team eight sacks, you know, it, it won't necessarily make that contract worth it, but it will be a nice sort of rebound year for him and, and at least be one of the better seasons that he's had, you know, in his sort of up and down career that you uh, uh, alluded to earlier. And the last uh, guy that graduated as a Gator that we're going to talk about is a uh, John Bullard, he's someone who he's been in the league for a few years now. He's never been a star. He's kind of just, he's been like just a guy pretty much. But uh, I mean, what has his 
preseason been like his camp been like and what are the expectations for him because again yeah he's not someone who you ever really think of as like oh like he's in a dominate yeah Ballard was an interesting signing because the falcons needed some depth on their d-line but um they have some guys already and so he was entering camp kind of like i guess i wouldn't say firmly on the bubble but he was one of those guys that you weren't sure if he was going to stick on the team he was just kind of a guy that this coaching staff given that they sort of uh plucked some coaches uh, from Chicago, where Ballard was earlier, uh, you know, they were familiar with and they knew that he can come in and compete and push for a job. And so far, he seems like all accounts is that he is doing that. Uh, he's listed on the team's depth chart as a starter, although I don't necessarily know if you can put too much stock into that. But I think he's a guy that could wind up sticking on this roster. He did have a, a sack in the uh, preseason game against the Titans last week. And so that was a good, solid start for him. And so I, I think he's a guy that I would, you know, sitting here today sort of doing these roster breakdowns, I have put him on my 53-man Falcons roster prediction, but he's kind of a guy, like, if if he does wind up making it, he'll probably be one of the last two or three guys on that list. But as you said, you know, he's not been a, a, a huge difference maker, but he's a guy that can provide the depth. And so far, all accounts in camp show that, he, you know, he is providing that type of depth given that he has a little bit more experience than some of the other backups that the Falcons uh, have on their defensive line. All right. And then last one is like, I, I kind of alluded to before, didn't graduate as a Gator, but he's still a Gator, at least in my heart. I know a lot of Gators fans hate him, but it's my show, man. I want to talk about who I want. Felipe Franks. How's he been this camp? I know I'm a big fan of his. I'm still mad that he went undrafted just based on, you know, pure physical tools he had. I thought he would get drafted. But has he been this camp, and can he be your guys' QB too? The tools were on display on Friday. Uh, if you watch the highlights of that Falcons-Titans game, you're going to see Felipe Franks running a lot. He, he broke a, like a 50-yard scramble and, and showcased that athleticism. We know he has the biggest arm of any quarterback that the Falcons have on the roster. No, no offense to AJ McCarron or Matt Ryan, but <laughs> you know that that ball you know jumps out of his hand when he's when he's slinging it. But the passing skill was not really on display. But, you know, in fairness to Felipe Franks, you know, the Falcons offensive line really struggled. The receivers struggled. They couldn't run the ball at all. So he didn't have a lot of help. Um, but, you know, he, he's a work in progress. I think right now the expectation is that he'll probably be uh, the QB3 uh, carried on the practice squad this year. But, you know, he, he did close the gap a little bit because A.J. McCarron struggled also in that Titans game. And, and and there's been talk that if Felipe Franks puts in a good week of work down in Miami this week in those joint practices, there's a chance he might uh, get the first nod in that Saturday game um, ahead of AJ McCarron. If that happens, then there is a legit chance that he could wind up unseating McCarron as at QB2. But I think right now, uh, without a big jump in terms of Franks' ability as a passer in this next preseason game or another struggle fest with AJ McCarron, uh, on Saturday, I don't know if the gap is quite close enough where I would feel comfortable thinking that, you know, it's a, there's a sliver of a chance. So the momentum, the arrow's pointing up for Franks, but for right now, I, I think he's probably on the outside looking in, winning that backup quarterback spot. But, you know, the arrow is certainly pointing up for him. All right. Arrow's pointing up for your future franchise quarterback, by the way. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> Thank you again, Aaron, for joining us. Don't forget to catch him on Locked on Falcons and follow him on Twitter at FalcFans. And you'll be back. You know we love having you here. Okay. I, I look you know, I look forward to coming back on after every Kyle Pitts catch, you know, as many appearances as I can make. Well, don't tempt me. Don't, don't tempt me. I'll have you on every single time. 
Well, I think he's going to have like 80 plus catches this year. So I will be a frequent guest on Locked on Gators. Co-host. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. As we build in anticipation for the football season, let's start building our bodies too. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. And like I've been saying, like I know a lot of people are all about coconut brownie chunk, chocolate covered grasshopper, whatever. Who's going to call it? Don't care. (laughs) <laughs> like salted caramel here. I, I recently tried it and I just, it was so dang good, fam. Like it, it was just so good. Like it slaps. Like it, it's a beautiful thing. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, don't worry. I definitely didn't have cookies a little while ago. That is no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and most importantly, high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Built Bar if you're keto. <laughs> Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. And the second segment of today's show, of course, we're talking about, like I mentioned, the thread that's on our Florida Gators, which is the Florida Gators subreddit. Um, User Gator Steve asks if the Gators should be using no huddle against Alabama. Um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit because, yeah, no huddle is certainly an option, but there come with, uh, you know, pros and cons along the way. The biggest pros are obviously that Alabama likes to rotate their players incessantly. Like, it is, as someone who has to watch Alabama, like, film and just for the draft and for Gator stuff, they are so annoying. <laughs> I would just like to clarify that one. Uh, so running no huddle could prevent them from doing that, which is great. And Alabama plays a very complex defense, so running no huddle could hopefully cause some confusion. But like I said, like they rotate in players incessantly, but unless we run no huddle when they have their worst five stars on the field, then it's just running no huddle against other elite college football players. So I, I don't think that that's really that effective uh i think maybe we can tire them out a bit but at that point our offense will probably also be tired so probably not ideal to do that and you know we can try to cause confusion and force the tide to recognize the offense read the play react and adapt because their calls are my goodness so so overly complex and so confusing their defense make their players react could cause a little bit of confusion, could could cause a misstep and lead to a big play here. But I, I feel like that's a pretty solid strategy, but I don't want to rely on hoping for a busted coverage, if that makes sense. Like I, I want us to win because we're the better team and the better coach team and the better whatever. I don't want to win because we just, you know, got a few busted coverages. Like I want to beat them. Um I do think the biggest count is that that's not really Florida's strength to run no huddle, I think. At least, again, that's me. Like, Florida doesn't typically run no huddle. Dan Mullen doesn't typically run no huddle. So I think kind of changing our whole offense just to hopefully knock them off track seems, um, I guess, counterproductive would be the word. Like, I, I think that us changing everything to hopefully catch them is not how we should be doing Like, if we knew that we can stop them, then sure. Like, I know one thing that I want to see the Gators do that they didn't really do much of with Dan Mullen at the helm is I want to see triple option be brought into effect. I want to see us running not just, like, 
not just a normal triple option. I want to see Emery making that backside D end read between him and Pierce, right? Bowman, whoever it is. And I want to see him maybe have that slot shovel option or just not even slot shovel, just another option to toss it to there because I think that would really get the defense going. And like I mentioned, this defense is so complex and so confusing that, you know, if, if we can get them to uh, like just have to react to things, I think we might actually be at the advantage there. And we've seen like, look at the Citadel game that Alabama played where Citadel didn't necessarily give them a run for their money, but they held tight for a long enough time where it's like, okay, like the triple option is something that will work against the majority of defenses, but especially when that's as complex as Alabama is, we would have much better personnel than Citadel. So being able to kind of try to take advantage of that triple option every now and then and try to exploit the defense there, I would love that. I think that is fantastic strategy against this defense. That's just so confusing. Like we've seen it work before, just not with a team that was good enough to stop Alabama or consistently score on them or consistently keep them guessing and maybe break a big play here and there. Um, also, we're hopefully going to be a team that has like a strong balance attack, including running the ball like consistently. And I think that the Gators this year in general, not just against Bama, but this year in general, I think the goal is going to be to eat up a little bit more of a clock, whether it's running the ball, whether it's a short passing game, but just to keep our defense fresh and to keep other offenses pretty much just off the field because unless you've got defensive touchdowns coming your way, you can't score if you're not on the field. And Florida's defense last year struggled mightily. This year, we expect a lot more from them, which is why when we look at things, I'm going to look at them on a per-possession basis because I think our offense is going to run the ball a lot and kind of keep them off the field. So it's like per-game stats, probably going to look pretty nice. But this is still going to be a defense that is also – gelling together at this point because it's only going to be week three when we play Bama. So this defense is still going to be trying to trying to find their footing. And I mean, you can run into some problems like Bama has been a buzzsaw lately on offense and defense. So I don't know if it's the best strategy to kind of keep our offense uh, off the field by scoring as quick as possible or going no huddle as often as we did in last year. We had an offense that even when not going up tempo, we would be off the field very quickly from scores and defense would be tired coming back on the field and get exploited. So I'd like to avoid that by hopefully killing a bit more clock and dominating a bit more on the ground this year. think the Aiders have a shot at the natty this year. I do like, especially the conversation I just had, like I seriously, like I am so confident in this team. It's, it's disgusting. If you're confident bet online currently has plus 2,800 odds. And I'm just saying, we know it. I'm going to take them. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost <clears throat> this one's for you, Josh Gardner. Anything you can imagine, it is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website today or use your mobile device, which is how I do it. Hello. Um, and get a 100% welcome bonus now. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space. Oh, and to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. I realize I've been very football heavy, very uh, basketball heavy recently. So we'll talk a little bit 
about baseball here. We've got Jonathan India, who's, of course, a former Gator. He's currently playing second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. He's in the middle of a pretty big rookie year. Like, he's having a dang good rookie year, I'll say. Um, he's batting just under 280 at 277. That's 16 home runs this year, 55 RBIs. He's got an on-base percentage of 390, which is good for sixth in the MLB. That's not good for sixth amongst rookies, sixth amongst NL rookies, NL players. That's sixth in the MLB. He's got an on-base plus slugging percentage, which OPS for y'all, uh, of 856. And big, this one's like huge. He is leading the league in times being hit by a pitch. I don't I don't know what he did to deserve that. I'm pretty sure Pete Alonso's rookie year, he also led the league in being hit by a pitch, um, which is like, wow, there's hate good Gators players, I guess. Uh, Jonathan India was also the July rookie of the month. Um, he, he's been making a very strong campaign. I'm going to talk about two other rookie of the year candidates that I've been hearing about here and there, but I'm not super confident in either of them. We've got Jazz Chisholm, who's a second baseman slash shortstop for the Marlins. He's batting 256, which is worse than Jonathan India. He's got 13 home runs, which is worse than Jonathan India. He's got 39 RBIs, which is worse than Jonathan India. He's got an on-base percentage of 316, which is hmm, worse than Jonathan India. He's got an OPS of 752, which is, let's see, calculator... Yeah, okay. Um, 752 is lower than 856. Yeah, I thought so, but I just had to make sure. And Jazz Chisholm is leading the league in one thing. I mean, granted, so is Jonathan India. But Jazz Chisholm is leading the league in one thing. Time's caught stealing as a base runner, so not super confident in him there. There's also Trevor Rogers, who is a pitcher for the Marlins. Um, he's someone that people have talked about as a potential Cy Young guy. Uh not anymore, I'm going to say. Uh, he was an all-star this year, which is fantastic for your rookie year. Chisholm and Rogers were both, they both played last year, but not enough to qualify as being active players. So they're still technically rookies. Baseball is kind of weird with that, but it is what it is. So Trevor Rogers, an all-star this year, which is fantastic for a rookie. He's currently got a seven and six record. Um, but honestly, like, I don't fault him for that, mainly because I'm a Mets fan. I've seen Jacob deGrom have absolutely dominant performances and struggle to stay above 500 for a bit. So I get it. Like I'm, I'm not going to fault him for that because he's, he's pitched well. Like that's not, I'm not saying he hasn't done that. He's pitched very well. His record just doesn't reflect that, which is fine. Like I, I don't care about that. He's almost, he's very consistent. He's almost guaranteed to give up two earned runs in every outing, or at least over his last eight or so, um, whether he pitches three innings or six innings, like that's what, that's pretty much been his range over the last eight games, and or his his last eight starts, and it's almost always two earned runs. It's it's pretty impressive, honestly, like that level of consistency. I mentioned Jacob Degrom before, uh, being a reason that I can't fault Trevor Rogers for his record, which is fine. But I will say the big difference there is that Jacob DeGrom will pitch eight innings and maybe get a loss, maybe not get a no decision, whatever. Trevor Rogers, he struggles to get to the halfway point half these games. And it's like, I don't see how that could be rookie of the year. So Jazz Chisholm, worse than Jonathan India in just about every way. He's a slightly better fielder. Uh, I, I did get it wrong when I said that Jonathan India only leads the league in one thing. Um, he he does also lead the league in errors. Um 
However, that's only or error among second baseman. However, that's only one worse than Jazz Chisholm. So that's not a huge arguing point or selling point for Jazz Chisholm. Trevor Rogers has been he's been good. I don't think he's been great. Like he's had good performances, but I believe it was his last outing. He went like three and two thirds of an inning and had two earned runs allowed before getting taken out. And of, of course, yeah, like that wasn't just like just a normal takeout, but whatever, this isn't locked on Trevor Rogers or Marlins. Uh, but I will say, yeah, Jonathan India to me is rookie of the year in the NL, at least. Uh, I think he's had a very solid year, very efficient year for the most part. Offensively, he's had an efficient year, but I feel like defense is something that comes along more than offense does once you get to the majors. So, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, that about does it for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. Join me Monday as we're talking safeties, unless something pops up and I decide to change the topic, then sure. Then we're talking safeties Monday. <laughs> Once again, my name is Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with whole nine sports as W H O L E N I N E sports. And yeah, don't forget to subscribe here. Like even if like I'll say for this for at least a little while, less ads are on YouTube. If, that, if that's convincing you, I'll say at least for a little while, Less ads are on YouTube, so you can kind of skip that a little bit. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying for your, for your benefit. Um, be sure to check out Lockdown Falcons, hosted by Aaron Freeman, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you want to hear more awesome content from Aaron, like you've heard in the first segment today, and more updates on how Florida Gators in Atlanta are performing, don't miss Lockdown Falcons. Betting on the Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new. Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts.